You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 278, Rivers of Nihil. Hosted by Dan Terry. There's a lot of struggle on this album. And Joseph Wren. I've never seen clear in my life. Leonardo Leonardo must be destroyed. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you finally figured out what the owls say... Then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. It's time to talk Rivers of Nihil, my friend. Absolutely. I had one week to listen to these four albums, which actually gave me quite a bit of time to listen to four albums. So I listened to them all maybe about three times each. And let me tell you, these guys, um, spoilers, Rivers of Nihil is good. In my opinion, which is on this show is the correct opinion. We've sampled this band over the years. We featured them on Patreon. If Jeff were here, he would be so excited. Deep grooves. But Rivers of Nihil, it's melodic. It's heavy. It takes its time. It goes insanely fast. It's like a strange combination of Between the Buried and Me mixed with old school Opeth and Exoplanet. So I know you're ready to go. Oh, I'm always ready to go. I mean, we, we've we talked about Rivers of Nihil before. We talked about where owls know my name uh, on Patreon uh, back whenever it came out. So, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, we, we know what's good. We know what's going on. But uh, I had never actually listened to any of the other albums by this band and so, of course, once once they they dropped that fourth one in 2021, we were like, "All right, all right, all right, we're we're, we're gonna do, we're gonna do this. We're gonna have a good time. We're gonna enjoy ourselves." The time has come, but not yet, because uh, you know we're gonna read some we're gonna read some feedback. You wanna re- you wanna read some feedback, Joe? Yeah, I think you should read some feedback, Dan. All right, so these are on Twitter. All right, one of them's cool. One of them's also really cool. So uh, <laughs> we got a tweet from Emperor of Metal. Lance, watch out. He's coming for you. Emperor of Metal says, Hey, yo, at Discuss Metal. Discovered you guys a few months ago. Loving the content. I've been slow. I've slowly been on a deep dive of all the bands I like. Also, Dan and Joe's Metal Bros. Bickering is gold. Would love to see discographies on uh, Ishan's solo band, Six Feet Under, and Immolation. Six Feet Under is for sure happening. I don't know if I have Immolation on the schedule, but I do have them on the long list. Just stick around, and we will get there eventually. The, the goal is to get to everyone, right? It's going to happen, especially Six Feet Under. I guarantee it. I know, I know. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting talk as we get later into that discography. <laughs> and uh, Isaiah Quinn comes in hot, uh, commenting on a tweet that we made four years ago. Something like that, uh, maybe maybe three and a half years ago, and they say the episode on Carcass is embarrassing. Y'all obviously shouldn't be listening to anything beyond Disturbed and Danzing. Uh, I think you meant Danzig, but it's fine. I'm not gonna not gonna be nitpicky. And uh, you know, the, the honest truth on that is that uh, you know, first of all, like who who thinks that Danzig is not like 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 street cred enough to listen to? I I don't know. It's fine. I mean, it, it, obviously, your favorite record by Carcass is Reek of Putrefaction, and that's your right, uh, 100%. But uh, there, there are opinions, man. Uh, 
I'm sorry it didn't match up to yours. It, it is what it is. But uh, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll get you around on the next one. I, I would really like to be able to talk about as many bands as possible. I thought I thought that's what being knowledgeable was, but evidently it means that you only listen to five bands. And if anybody else listens to the, if anybody else listens to those bands, those bands are suddenly not cool enough for me to listen to or talk about. Remind me again. What did you say about Five Finger Death Punch? Oh, we'll get there, my friend. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about that just yet. Uh, Jeremy Prince actually asked me recently if we were going to do a Five Finger Death Punch episode, and uh, well, yeah, I gave him the same answer that I give everyone. Yeah, you know, uh, eventually. I would have accepted. Did you hear the one about me not giving a fuck? <laughs> I mean, that could have been any number of our episodes. <laughs> hey there, Papa Roach. Speaking of us eventually getting around to it, we've talked about this on the last couple of episodes, but I want to remind you guys, if you don't want to wait like a year or two years or five years or 20 years for us to talk about a band specifically that you want us to talk about, if you head over to patreon.com forward slash discuss metal, we have an option called skip the wait or skip the line. I don't remember exactly how Joe phrased it, but what it essentially means is that once a month, we will dedicate an episode to somebody that wants to skip the line. There's more information on how you can skip the line at the Patreon link that I just said and will also be in the show notes. Make sure to check that out. If you guys want to sponsor an episode of Discography Discussion, there is information on the Patreon on how to do that as well because we want these shows to be brought to you by you. And speaking of you, as always, I want to shout out our Discography Discussion patrons. You guys are the music makers. You make the sausage happen. And before Dan and I send fighter jets against the circles in the sky, it's the best I could do for an Independence Day reference. I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Podchaser. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews and the Discord server. Take it away, Dan. Well, yeah, I mean, a five-star review makes us feel good. It gives us something to read on the show. Leave us a review on either Apple Podcasts, or I think you can also do it on Podcast Addict, believe it or not. And uh, we'll read that on the show, and uh, your voice your voice will be heard through my voice. It'll be, it'll be kind of meta. But seriously, if you guys want to hang out with us, uh, the Discord server is where we are at. It is where we are located. If you go to discord.discussmetal, did I do that one right, Joe? Yes, you did. All right, yeah, go to discord.discussmetal. And you can join our Discord server, bring your memes, bring your jokes, bring your band recommendations. We're all just there to joke around, have a good time. And uh, if you have a question specifically for me or Joe, obviously you can always email us at danandjoeshow@gmail.com. But uh, if you want an answer, you know, as close to instant as you can get, you want to be on the Discord server because we're uh, we're always watching. We're like the we're like the eye of Sauron. We we see what happens in the server. Discord.discussmetal.com. So, Dan, tell me and the listener all about Rivers of Nihil. Oh, sorry, Joe. I was too busy listening to Disturbed. Uh, hold on. Okay. So, with R- Rivers of Nihil is an American tactical death metal band from Reading, Pennsylvania. 
Shout out to all of our favorite Pennsylvania bands. These guys are on Metal Gear. Nope, they're not on Metal Gear Solid. They're on Metal Blade Records. Okay. And uh, these guys have four albums out. And I, I still consider them a new band, even though they've been around since like 2009. But I mean, considering some of the bands that we talk about that are over 20 or 30 years old, uh, these guys are still relatively newcomers uh, into this. But uh, I can tell you, in me calling them newcomers, they are certainly better guitar players and drummers than I will ever be in any amount of time. And uh, the thing that stood out to me about these guys is that, like, when I first heard their album, uh, Where Owls Know My Name, I was a little bit kind of thrown off by, like, the saxophone and the ultra progginess of it. Go ahead and copyright that right now to me, Joe, the ultra progginess of it. <laughs> I mean, at first, you know, I'm, I'm initially usually turned off to bands like that, bands that are going to throw out a record that is going to be so complicated that I'm going to have trouble keeping up with it. We're not all, we're not all technical geniuses, right? I mean, Joe is, but I'm, I'm not. So I have a little bit of trouble with, with these bands and like trying to understand what the point is, but I feel like rivers of Nihil more or less eases you into the process. Throw this band on the pile with between the buried and me with the contortionist, a little bit of the softer Opeth, and what you get is the adult contemporary death metal sound. That's what Between the Barrett and Me wants to call it. That fans of technical and progressive metal were very much looking for in the early 2000s. There was this vibe that, for me, Between the Barrett and Me hit on this mix of melancholy styles mixed with extreme technical prowess yes i'm a fan of dream theater i'm a fan of machine head i'm a fan of classic progressive bands that just played insanely complicated things because they could and some of those are all-time classics but this vibe when you can hit on that and hold a piece of it on your own I think there's something to be said for that. And Rivers of Nihil has done that so far for me. It reminds me of that music, but it's not a copy of that music. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think it. I, I, I'm sort of following it. You know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not good at following things sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, think it makes, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think that I hold bands like Between the Buried in Me and The Contortionist up on such a high pedestal that it can sometimes be hard for me to accept a band that's maybe trying to do a similar thing because I'm going to only compare it to that. And if you go back and listen to our Contortionist episode or our Between the Buried Me episode, you'll see that that's a hard comparison for me to make because I think so highly of those bands. And so I kind of ignored these guys a little bit, and it, it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair to them, and uh, it certainly wasn't fair to me as a listener, because why wouldn't I want more music that sounds like this? There are pieces of this discography that are closer to what Pink Floyd was doing back in the day than what The Contortionist would do in the mid-2010s. So again, it's got that vibe of a progressive band that's setting a tone, they're setting a vibe, and that's the point. It's not a message, it's not a concept, although I question if these records are concept albums. It's about the vibe. It's about the next 
hour, hour and 15 minutes of your life in a dark room, probably with headphones, and sky's the limit when you're inside your own head. Yeah, these are great records to listen to in the dark. They they really are. Like, just chill out, headphones, lay back, let the band do all the work. 2013, The Conscious Seed of Light. Normally, this is where I say, oh, this sounds like a debut album. You had your entire life to write the first album, da 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 you know, all the things that I say. Uh, but this record does not sound like a does not sound like a debut album to me. This sounds like like the third album of like a Between the Buried and Me or a Gojira. Uh, they they hit the ground running. Their their influences are certainly on their sleeves here, and they it sounds a little bit. I don't even know. No, you know what? I'm not going to use the word genty because. Technically, I guess some people do call it that. It gets tagged as gent a lot, but uh, I think this is just straight ahead, like epic progressive death metal. A little bit lighter on the progressive, a little bit bigger on the technical, but not so technical that it's lifeless. And I think that's what struck me with these guys is that this isn't the most like over the top, like let's introduce a whole bunch of different progressive elements into our sound. This is just hard hitting in your face death metal with a little bit more of a of a modern finesse. You know, when I say death metal, I don't you think that like you're going to get ready for a Morbid Angel record or something. This is this is definitely modern sounding. So the only comparison that I would make, ironically, this was produced by Eric Rutan, who uh, of Hate Eternal and was also in Morbid Angel. But I promise you, that's the last time I'm going to say Morbid Angel in this episode. No, it's not. Well, yeah, actually, we did say in the Morbid Angel episode that they did sound kind of like Gojira. So maybe there is a maybe there is a little bit of a connection there. Now that I'm saying it all out loud and all the pieces are sort of coming together in my mind, you see what I mean about it taking me a long time to get it? Uh, <laughs> but but here we are. Uh, Eric's currently in Cannibal Corpse. Anyway, the... Uh, that explains the point, so much. The point that I'm trying to make here is this is this is probably the most brutal and pummeling, I wanted to say episode, but album by Rivers of Nihil. And uh, they sort of keep it. Uh, they sort of keep it in the realm of technical metal with a little bit of progressive elements. I mean, you've got that. <laughs> you've got that incredible, you know, Dan Seagrave artwork on there, which is a staple of classic death metal. And uh, I think these guys absolutely knocked it out of the park with this one. I'm trying to trying to think of good things to say about this record because I do not hate it, and I do love it a lot. But compared to what the band is going to do in just a couple of records, um, this can seem a little bit basic in comparison. But I think this is also a really good starting point, especially if you're like me and you don't always latch on to the progressive elements right away. My favorite types of progressive elements in an album are, are, are like sort of an epic feeling, longer songs, and just really intricate tactical guitar work. And they've got that in spades on this record. And um, I think this gives me a good sort of foundation for what this band is supposed to sound like or what the original idea was so that once they start peppering those other elements in on, on the next few records, uh, I'm a little bit more here for it. And I, and I, and I kind of get it. The percussive elements are so definitively separated. Sometimes I think the drums are blatantly fake, like they're not even trying to hide it. Other times, 
they blend into the background in a very flat, boxy way. Almost like this was the first time you had enough equipment to record heavy, fast drums, but you maybe didn't know how to mix it perfect. And when I say perfect, I mean mainstream. The normal drum sound that you hear on a mainstream gent record back in the day. So, on one hand, this sounds like a composed, constructed album that's extremely technical and extremely interesting. On the other hand, it sounds very underground and independent because everything sounds present. It sounds like it's happening in the same room. The guitars are heavy. The vocals are raw and not layered. The melody is still there. So I can't decide if this is an amazing starting point or if it's just a hint at what the idea of this band is. It's the most brutal because it's the most understated of the albums. They don't stack the reverbs on this one. They don't let the vibe build as much. This record is mostly heavy and it has enough atmosphere in the heaviness to challenge some of the other bands that were trying to duplicate this sound at the same time. Maybe a step back in 2013, but maybe an intentional step back. Let's actually play this shit and do the best we can and spend our time playing the record, not necessarily trying to make the production picture fucking perfect. I mean, the production was pretty good. Just saying. It's better than anything well, anything we self-produced, but like, we also didn't have, you know, like a truck filled with money. Uh, <laughs> so you never know. We, we could have we put out something beautiful. Uh, that said, yeah, I mean, that record is... The only thing that I would accuse it of, sometimes it feels a little bit directionless. And I know that that is a way of creating sort of an epic, long atmosphere. When, when you're playing this kind of music, you kind of want the listener to feel like they're going on some epic journey or like some epic quest, right? And so I think that's where some of that comes from. And I think that they, I think that maybe they realized that and they did tighten it up a little bit uh, in the next one. But uh, but yeah, I mean, for, for a record that, that is essentially a 9 out of 10 out of the gate, and I can't help but feel feel like this like must have been some other band prior to this, and that we're only, we've only shown up like midway through the journey, because typically I don't hear debut albums that are this good, and whenever I do hear it, the band usually it's usually a one off, and the band never sounds like that again, or uh, or you know they, they they try to top it but they can't ever. 2015, Monarchy. Don't tell me what to do, Monarchy. Fuck you! I won't do what you tell me. Whoa, that's a good lyric for a song. We should write that down. Oh, Joe, now people are going to say we only listen to Rage Against the Machine, and they're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> we, it's true. We, we're we just a couple of mainstream posers over here. But uh, in the spirit of that, Monarchy. Holy shit. Brutal. So it's fucking brutal. Yeah, it, it definitely hits me in all the feels. Uh, you know, the, the dark, brooding, evil feels. The, the kind of feels that you probably should keep to yourself when you're feeling those feels. Uh, in all seriousness, though, this is 
somehow leaps and bounds better than the last one. So you have a technical, genty sounding band who has the chops, but the production is just not up to perfection. It's not up to what everyone else sounds like. We want to bring this band into the progressive death metal fans ballpark and give them the full treatment. Go right ahead. Spend some more time. Spend some more money. Make this band sound like all the other bands because what they're going to do with that sound is write something that is wholly different. Dissonance, despair, decay. Remember what I said about Pink Floyd. It's not always happy. And Rivers of Nihil will drag you down a little bit more, assault you with brutality, and maybe if you're lucky, they'll build you up near the end of the record. This album plays with the idea of could a new metal band be progressive at times? Because this album goes so many dark places. I really enjoyed it. And knowing where the discography is going to go and what we're going to get next, this is not album number two. This is the next record in the story of Rivers of Nihil. If Hope's Fall is constructing a galaxy, Rivers of Nihil is creating a loop of emotions. And this is the next one on the chopping block after the Conscious Seeds of Light. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, you know, I, there's not going to be a word for every episode. I know for the Cradle of Filth one, there was the word was context, right? Well, in this particular one, the word is emotion. This is one of the most emotional, like technical death metal bands I've ever heard. One of the most emotional death metal bands I've heard, period. Besides maybe like Cynic or something like that, but not really far off from that here. Uh, it is, I, I've never felt as much as I feel whenever I'm listening to this, it, except for maybe like something by the contortionist, you know, or, or something along those lines. Um, these songs are about very dark subjects, but they're not really necessarily about subjects. You know, somebody mentioned it's so like you guys didn't talk about Cradle of Filth's lyrics enough. I can't really talk about Rivers of Nihil's lyrics either because they're so vague. They're so vague and abstract and have meanings just for the person that wrote them. But I also think that like any good piece of artwork, it's left intentionally vague so that it can evoke whatever emotions that we decide to attach to it. They do that really, really well throughout their discography. And on this record especially, I feel a lot of anger. I feel a lot of frustration and pain and struggle. There's a lot of struggle on this album. And uh, the band, uh, not the band, sorry, the song Sand Baptism uh, is one of the best examples of that, which is just kind of a wide range of emotions. And that's actually how the band is able to keep my intention more so than just riff changes, idea changes, you know, uh, uh, sort of transitioning into other parts. I'm really only paying attention to this band's feeling more so than I'm paying attention to their riff changes. Do you remember the first time you were listening to Watershed by Opeth and Air Apparent kicked in? Oh, yes. Do you remember how that made you feel? Like, it's not just dark and evil and dissonant. It's, 
oh, this is a shotgun blast of despair. That's this whole record. Yeah. No, really. Like if you go if you go listen to the song Dehydrate after the pretty intro, it's pretty much an exact example of what Joe's talking about. It's like sad, 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 sad. Well, now I'm angry. You know? And um I mean it sounds like I'm making fun of it. I'm really not. Uh but yeah, I mean this this band really, really plays around with the emotions, especially on this record, more so than even on the last one, whereas I feel like the last one was like more like Hey guys, we did it. We pulled it off. We pulled off all of that complicated riffing and we didn't we didn't screw it up, you know. This record, they're 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 more masters of that style. And I'm really I'm overall blown away by how good this is, and I'm only two records in. Back to it then. 2018 Where Owls Know My Name. So I think this is the record that everybody sort of started really paying attention to Rivers of Nihil. I mean, they obviously, as we discussed earlier, they they, they were good before this. Uh, but at what point do you sort of take that next step, right? W- when do you start becoming a, a little bit of a proggy death metal band, but then you step into that holy realm of progressive death metal? Whoa. You never go full BT Bam. You know that, right? Well, I mean, they, they don't. That's fine. <laughs> They get pretty close, although I, they don't put out Alaska and then put out colors like that's. If I could compare this album to any other band singularly, it would be what the Contortionist has been doing their entire discography, except for Exoplanet, uh, the heavy parts. This record, I think, is supposed to be the positive upswing after Monarchy. I definitely feel better when I'm listening to it, but. Again, it's this pile of emotion that this band is trying to deliver to the listener. They're trying to set you up to feel a certain way, and it works. You unintentionally find yourself in a dark room just listening to this music, and I think that's part of the charm of this band. They effectively steal your attention You can't just listen to one song. You can't just listen to a few seconds while you're doing something around the house. Eventually, you're going to stop, you're going to sit down, and you're going to listen to this band. And Where Owls Know My Name might be my favorite record. I was so excited to go back to this from the Patreon review we did a few years ago. It was a good trip down memory lane with a heavy band who has the ability to be as progressive as your favorite progressive death metal band. I think people that are fans of this style have a lot of trouble, like sort of adopting new bands because you have to think of how much, how much time and effort you sort of put into understanding everything that's going on. You you become almost as, you become almost as involved in it as the musicians themselves. And uh, so I think that was sort of, where I was at with this band initially but after sort of revisiting this after we had you know talked about it on Patreon I'm just absolutely blown away how a band can introduce a saxophone into their melodic sensibilities it finally me, happened <laughs> yeah and and me not care like like, I'm sure everybody was like, oh, God, I don't want to listen to this episode. It's going to be an hour of Dan talking about how much he hates saxophones. 
and then like you know crying and and talking about how bill clinton ruined everything in the 90s you know and all of that you know we would have gone like that far but i do not mind the saxophone here and honestly i don't think the record would be as good without it they could have gone full jethro tull and just pulled out the flute mid-song nobody would have respected that you can't go full woodwind what are we gonna do guys alto saxophone soprano sax no one's expecting that and i can't decide what emotion they're trying to invoke are they trying to remind you of that 80s trope of the epic saxophone guy just showing up in the middle of the track are they trying to say yeah i mean it feels kind of hopeless but there's always the saxophone like is the saxophone supposed to be love in this scenario or is it just the break in the tension that no one sees coming and that's the point they're trying to convey the break in the tension it's a weird sort of mixed emotion for me listening to this because i feel sad which is how i think i'm supposed to sound or i'm supposed to feel and i know the songs are sort of about loss and frustration and sort of the something i've been dealing with a little bit almost the feeling of like being old (laughs) like i get a little bit of that like like you're a certain age and you kind of look back on your life and you're like, oh my God, all I did was produce a podcast that has 800 episodes. Um, no, I mean, but like... So fucking there, good. <laughs> there is... Um, there's that feeling of sadness and loss and everything, but at the same time, like, the best way to convey sadness and loss is through minimalism a lot of the time. The, the, you know, there's a reason I stay up until four o'clock in the morning crying listening to Dungeon Synth in the dark, right? because it's minimalist what uh, no nightcore here, for you anymore here what they're doing is is too it's too cool you know like it's it's too it's like it's like warheads right like it's got this like how it's got this like like sour outer shell to it but then like the more you the more you leave it in your mouth it suddenly becomes like very sweet and you feel good and you're getting that like candy feeling right because at first you're like, why did I do this to myself? And then then after a while, you're like, no, this is actually really great. Um, what they're doing is so cool and so so saccharine sweet at times that I do have a little bit of trouble connecting with that loss and that, that feeling of hopelessness that they're trying to convey. And like, it's, that's only a pseudo criticism because I want the candy center. I want the cool stuff. That's what That's what I want to hear. So I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to not be sad and just sort of chill and enjoy what I'm hearing. So I think maybe it loses a little bit of point in 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 fully conveying the emotion it's trying to convey because you're just adding too much cool stuff. And I get it. Like you guys are a prog band now, you got to add cool stuff. You just you just have to. Um, so yeah, it's one of those like yeah, Joe, I I, I didn't like it because I I it was too, it made me feel too good. And this music's not supposed to make me feel too good, you know. Uh, it's not a real criticism. I think this album is amazing, and it's absolutely my favorite out of everything that they've done. Uh, they're absolutely, they're absolutely a killer band. And holy crap, there's another one. You know what they say: if you're feeling down, if you're feeling sorrow, and you're looking back on everything, saying, "Oh my God, this is all there is. What have I done?" Sometimes you just have to put in the work. 2021. I think it's intentional. Just saying. 
This is the first one that sounds markedly different than the rest. Really? The first one? I think this one this is the first one that sounds different, yeah. Not not that I think that Owl sounds like, you know, <laughs> okay, so I'm not I'm not taking that. Like I I'm not saying Owl sounds like Monarchy. I'm not saying that Monarchy sounds like Conscious Seed of Light. But like they kind of do sound similar in that like you've got one that is an establishment of the idea. You've got monarchy that is heavier, has better production, conveys emotions better. You know, it, it sort of tunes up what you had on the first album. Owls is like the total masterpiece. It's like the it's like what we've been building to all this time. And what I like about the work is that it does not directly try to compete with Owls. You might be onto something. Owls and Monarchy are like the epic A side, B side, like Anorexia Nervosa in a way. It is. This one goes for the throat on atmosphere because you've got Monarchy. I'm going to ignore Conscious Seed. I'm sorry, uh, but you've got like you've got Monarchy. Sort of is the baseline heavy. The the extremes that this band is willing to go to, right? Owls goes for a much more perfected heaviness atmosphere 50-50 mix, right? And then you've got the work, which is more like a 75% atmosphere, 25% brutality, right? And I think it works, though, because in this, these songs have the same problem that they had on Owls where, you know, I want to feel these emotions that they're that they're conveying, but there's just too much cool stuff sort of going on. But there is a lot more like sort of long drawn out like atmospheric sort of pieces interspersed with the band's blasting. And so they they are able to achieve that more minimalistic approach that I was sort of wanting more of on Owls. But then as far as their heaviness goes, they've sort of they've sort of started introducing like old school, like sort of almost like Black Sabbath, hard rock, like really, really, really heavy, like blues elements. And you're getting like what I think Black Sabbath might have sounded like if they if if their like first couple of records had come out in 2021. Like there's definitely kind of a swing towards this like old school primal heaviness, right? Like there's a there's a part in Brutal Legend, the video game where Jack Black's like, yeah, I wish I wish music was like really heavy again. And the guy's like, you know, like back in the day, another guy's like, oh, you mean like in the 70s? He's like, no, earlier than that. I mean, like, like the early 70s. <laughs> and, uh, and I feel that way here. I mean, don't don't mince my words. This is not like a this is not like an Electric Wizard album or, or, you know, all those bands out there that are trying to do what Black Sabbath did just with modern production or whatever, or lots of fuzz and tons and tons and tons of marijuana. Uh, but this is uh, this is them sort of taking their technical death metal approach down a notch and introducing sort of other forms of heaviness. And it's not a soft record. I'm not trying to say that it's a soft record. These guys will still pummel you into the ground, even on this record. But... Um, they're really pushing the atmosphere and the emotion up front here and they're exploring sort of not as traditional ways in comparison to other modern bands they're exploring like other avenues of heaviness and so i actually feel like this is sort of a transitionary record into the band going somewhere else entirely on their next one you mentioned black sabbath and there's something to that 
When Black Sabbath went away and came back the last time, 13 had a very old school vibe. The message was, go back to where you were when you wrote the song Black Sabbath. And where did that emotion come from? That feeling of darkness and hopelessness and evil. We move forward to 2021 and the work by Rivers of Nihil. There's something to the progressive death metal, genty guitars. Let's create a tonality that doesn't just focus on one emotion, but pushes that emotion back and forth like this is the next step for the monarchy record or where owls know my name but it's not a definitive there's another emotion it's the next piece of the pyramid where the message is a little bit narrower but it still has all the weight it's still resting on your shoulders like the message here is it's a little hopeful sometimes, but then it's not a little hopeful sometimes. Like the band is going back and forth trying to, again, get to this end point of whether or not it works out is in context. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say other than it's unpredictable. It's life. It's emotion. It's, it's everything. You heard it here, folks. It is everything. <laughs> Throw away the rest of your records. Just go with this one. No, I think that these guys are going to continue to be awesome, and I can't wait to revisit them in, you know, 10 years. God, are we going to still be doing the show in 10 years? Hopefully, we'll be getting paid to do the show in 10 years. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is that, like, I like I really believe that, that this record, the work, is transitioning and building up to something even better than what we've had previously. And I kind of can't wait to hear that. Final thoughts on Rivers of Nihil for now, Dan. I think that I've been going back and forth on who like my favorite modern progressive band is. And obviously it's not the bands like the Contortionist and uh, Between the Buried and Me are not modern bands. Uh, certainly they are. Uh, but as far as like bands that don't have those big of histories, um, Right now, I'm caught between two bands, and that is Rivers of Nihil and Blood Incantation. Uh, both of them are very, they both ironically have saxophones in them, too. Maybe I'm just like, maybe I should start a saxophone appreciation podcast. I'm not sure. But uh, both of those bands have sort of their own take on on progressive sort of death metal. Right now, I'm leaning a little bit harder on Rivers of Nihil. But, uh, you know, when we eventually get around to that Blood Incantation episode, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think that if you are a fan of progressive, unpredictable, and emotional music, you are doing yourself a disservice by not listening to Rivers of Nihil. So, uh, to quote Joe directly, you should be listening to Rivers of Nihil. If you're a fan of the progressive death metal tropes of the early 2010s, that found their way into the dissonant, heavy, genty sound of the mid-2010s. You love Between the Buried and Me. If you love The Contortionist, I'll just say it. You're going to love Rivers of Nihil. But this band is doing something different, something more old school that I think is unique to this band. They have a way of focusing on the emotion 
that we haven't heard since the classic progressive bands of the 70s and the early 80s decided to write their big epic opuses and spend two hours playing a drum solo and hopefully everybody else in the band can take 15 minutes to stretch this shit out my point this band taps into the atmosphere and the feeling in a way that you might be jealous of your uncle or your dad when they listen to their music this is something that was horribly lacking in most of the progressive music that we were listening to rivers of nihil is doing the rest of it so listen to this band it's going to be a good time even when it's a bad time damn what's your album of the week my album of the week man you know I mentioned them earlier, but uh, it is the newest album by Blood Incantation. You ready for this? You you might think it's actually a hidden history of the human race, but it's not. It's Time Wave Zero. This one was a grower for me, but I love it, love it, love it. Even Hidden History I didn't think was going to be as good as Star Spawn, but here we are. Um, but yeah, definitely make sure you're checking out Time Wave Zero, and uh, you can tell me whether you think that Rivers of Nihil is my new favorite progressive band, or if it's uh, Blood Incantation. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Lich King, born of the bomb. So heavy. I thought you were going to say Cradle of Filth there for a second. I was going to be like, Joe, I'm going to have to ask you to stop, okay? There, there comes a point where we have to let it go. We have to move on. Remember that the next time you want to start your Coheed and Cambria binge. Well, there's that. And uh, yeah, so in, in that spirit, stay tuned for Zao Revisited number four. I'm going to go ahead and veto that and say, take us out, DFT. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Discography Discussion. We'll see you guys again next week. But if you want to talk to us before that, head over to that Discord server, discord.discussmetal.com. Bring your memes, bring all the fun. Send us an email at show at gmail.com. If you want to sponsor an episode of the podcast, hit us up at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have sweet perks, including hangouts every single month. And uh, also every single month, tune in to Discuss Metal Live. We're going to be talking about a sometimes controversial topic. Come say hi to us. And if you're on the Patreon, you can hang out with us afterward. So, you know, definitely make sure you guys are doing that. And we'll see you in the Discord server. And on that note, this has been episode 278 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podchaser. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Say hello to narcissistic mechanism. I thought you were going to say Cradles of Filth. Okay, oh, Cradles of Nihil. Cradles of Nihil.